seconds. There we are. Uh, all right. Welcome, everyone, to a Thursday evening edition of Dating Kinky Presents. It's the first Thursday of the month, so we're delighted to be back here with uh, Veer Koto for the latest episode of Keeping Secrets, all about uh, maintaining and upgrading your uh, individual kink and collective kink privacy. And uh, Veer's here to present browsing through browsers tonight. Uh, Veer, uh, take it away. Thanks, Ryan. Welcome to Keeping Secrets. I'm Veer Koto. Keeping Secrets is a web series produced by Dating Kinky about the intersection of kink and privacy. In this series, we'll be talking about the hidden dangers, hidden allies, and practical steps that you can take to protect yourself and your community. We give you the information and the tools to make informed decisions that are right for you. These webinars are recorded live and then released as a podcast. If you want to be part of the show, like these wonderful people are right now, and you're comfortable sharing, you can join us for a live chat and questions on the first Thursday of the month at 8 p.m. Eastern. There it goes. I'm your host, Veer Koto. I am a geek, a kinkster, and a privacy advocate. You can check out my website at uh, veerkoto.com. You can email me directly, veer at veerkoto.com, or I'm on FetLife as Veer Koto, all one word. The opinions expressed in this series are my own. Your mileage may vary. Consult your doctor if after taking my advice you have an erection that lasts more than four hours. As discussed, we will be talking about browsing through browsers, all about web browsers. So when choosing a browser, we can be overwhelmed with choice. So in this webinar, we'll go through the browsers. We'll compare ones that we probably already know about. Uh, and will also help you learn to read the label, right? So understand what it is that you need to be looking for when you're choosing a web browser or frankly, any piece of software. And so how you can make good decisions currently with the current crop of web browsers, but also how to make good decisions in the future. So before the web, the internet was mostly just text. There was email, there was something some of you may know called Usenet, but the web changed pretty much everything and that, that everything started with hypertext. And eventually this uh, hypertext also uh, became interactive. <clears throat> so the first web browser was called Mosaic, but the inventors of Mosaic uh, knew this thing was gonna be big. So they created a company, they spun off a company around uh, the web, and they called that company Netscape. And soon after, uh, Microsoft followed suit with their own web browser called Internet Explorer, which they decided to bundle with every computer running Windows. And that became the key in an antitrust suit between Microsoft and the US government, because Microsoft knew that the web was going to be the main door that people had, the main way that people were interacting with the internet, and they wanted to, they knew that whoever controlled that door, that gate would have enormous power. So, so today, many companies have web browsers and they know that controlling your web browser means that they'll have a lot of power over you. They'll know possibly what websites you visit, 
They may uh, be able to track you in other ways, and they may have larger goals like setting the standards of the internet itself. And that's very important to us kinksters because we know that we need to keep a barrier between different aspects of our lives. It's a topic we've discussed before. We call it compartmentalization. So we've talked about surveillance and uh, the ways that that can harm us. And we've talked about profiles and the kind of dangers that kinksters are in because of the way that we are tracked online. We've, we've covered that a lot in the past, and I'm sure we'll cover that uh, a ton more in the future. Um, but I think today we're just going to talk about browsers themselves and really just dive deep into the various web browsers. Because again, the browser is our primary tool and we need one that we can trust and that protects us. So with that, there are many, many browsers. Uh, for those of you who can see this presentation, I've got tons of browsers on this list. On the left side, I have listed the most popular web browsers, and they are in order of popularity, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Edge, Opera, and Internet Explorer. And on the right, I am listing some of the lesser known web browsers, um, Chromium, Brave, Vivaldi, Ungoogled Chromium, Iridium, Midori, Bromide, and there are others. Um, I'm not going to rank the less popular ones by popularity simply because we don't really have great data on those web browsers. So we'll, we'll go through them, but we're not going to rank them. And frankly, I don't think that just listing out web browsers is going to help us uh, learn about them. So let's talk instead about how we can judge these web browsers. What are the criteria by which we judge them? So, there are a few ways that we can evaluate these web browsers. Uh, the first and I think most important way is to find out if the, if the web browser, the program is auditable. What do I mean by auditable? I mean that if that somebody else like me or another computer programmer can look at the program, the web browser in this case, and understand exactly what it's doing by examining its source code. And the most straightforward way for a program to be auditable is if that program is open source. Open source means that anyone is free to download the program's source code and then make their own versions of it to run on their computer or make changes to offer to other people. Uh, and changes to programs are kind of like changes to recipes. So uh, maybe you can improve it or make a customization or personalization that you think other people will find useful. The second way to evaluate these browsers is to ask ourselves and learn about what the funding model is by which the program is written. Is it written by an individual or is it written by a company or a nonprofit? If it's written by a company, how does that company make money? Uh, does, do they make money through advertising? For example, by collecting personal information about people do they sell the web browser? For example, you know, saying, oh, this web browser costs $10. Um, are they run by a nonprofit entity? Um, so we, we can look at that. We can also look at the history of the organization that makes the web browser. So does that entity, that maybe that company, do they have a good history? Are they, are they known for doing good things in this space? Or have they done maybe some sketchy things or problematic things? Uh, in the past. And of course, we can look at the features of the web browser. Is it fast? Do, does it have a lot of 
um, you know, interesting customization, plugin architecture. Is it really good for uh, video conferencing, etc.? So um, we can look at that, and of course, we can. We're going to also look at um, whether or not the web browser has features in it, such as anti-tracking, or maybe it has features, quote unquote, that are really not so good for us. Maybe that they're maybe they would actually harm us in some way. So we're going to look at all of those, and uh, let's 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 jump right in. Talking about the most popular web browser currently. That is Google Chrome. So currently, 66% of all web servers are using Google Chrome. That makes it the most popular web browser by far. And that makes sense because not only is Chrome heavily promoted by Google, it is cross-platform and it is also the default web browser on Android. And Android accounts for 86% of all smartphones. So it makes sense that they'd be the most popular. Uh, Chrome has a lot of open source components, so pieces that make up the web browser, but Chrome itself as a total product is not open source, meaning we can't audit it its source. We cannot audit its source code. But what we do know is that Google Chrome does a lot of tie-ins with Google services. For example, Google Chrome makes it very easy to uh, let you let you log into websites without having to explicitly log in to Google. Google that says, oh, once you're logged into Google, it will automatically log you in. So it, it's tying it into these Google services. And it, it says it's for convenience. Um, I think it's uh, not such a great thing, but we know that that's something that uh, Google Chrome does. We also know that Google has used its market dominance uh, to push website owners to, to adopt Google specifications such as AMP. Uh, and AMP is a, an internet specification and that moves websites away from individual hosting providers. So away from companies' internal hosting and it moves their websites into Google. And that they've used their power with entities like the W3C. And they're the organization that's kind of in charge of the, the web. And they've used that power to thwart uh, user privacy. So they've kind of thrown their weight around um, trying to prevent uh, standards from coming into place that would help protect user privacy. And we know that some of these things have extended into the browser. Um, by default, Google report, I'm sorry, Chrome reports back to Google what websites you visit. Um, it also, as I mentioned, has begun sending your Google logins to websites even before you're asked to log in. And then they call this a convenience uh, function, but it's a bad practice. It actively connects logins between one's vanilla and kink accounts, obviously, uh, something that we've talked about in the past as being a problem for us as kinksters. Um, and Google has pushed back actively against privacy, uh, such as when they disabled features that were used by a popular plugin called uBlock Origin, which is a uh, an advertising and tracking uh, plugin uh, blocker. And they pushed a change to stop it from being able to block uh, ads and spyware. But there are some plus sides. Uh, Chrome is very fast and has excellent JavaScript and video conference support. But overall, I don't recommend it. Uh, no matter how good its 
uh, speed is and how great its library support is and its video conferencing support, it's terrible for consumers. And for that reason, I can't recommend it. Second most popular web uh, browser is currently uh, Apple Safari. If you haven't used Safari, it's the default web browser both on Mac OS X as well as on iOS, uh, which is on iPhone. And it, frankly, its popularity on iOS is probably why it's so popular. Um, Safari does use many of the same component components as Chrome, um, but it is not based on Chrome. I'll talk about Chromium later. Uh, Safari is also not based on Chromium. Safari is not open source, um, and thus it is not auditable. Uh, Apple does have a better a history of privacy than Google, and recently Apple has put a number of uh, anti-tracking features into the browser to enhance privacy and security. In terms of features, Apple uh, Safari is not ahead of the pack. It has problems with WebRTC, which is used for video conferencing. In addition, its plugin support is lacking in comparison to many other browsers. All in all, Safari is not as featureful as uh, many of the other web browsers we'll talk about. Uh, before I say more, I should mention that Safari is only available on Mac and iOS. It is not available on Windows, Android, or Linux. So do I recommend it? Uh, meh. <laughs> Uh, I won't go so far as to uh, recommend Safari, um, but I also won't go as far as to say it's terrible. Certainly not as bad as some of the other browsers we've, you know, we've talked about and we will talk about. If you really like using Safari, I don't feel there's a huge need to switch just yet, but I will recommend checking your privacy settings and plugins to see if they'll be if they interfere with your privacy. Um, and you may want to check out some of the other browsers that we'll be talking about. So number three, the most third most popular web browser right now is Firefox. And Firefox is based, at least in part, on that original code from Netscape. In 1998, Netscape released an open source version of their browser, which they called Mozilla. In 2003, Netscape spun off an independent nonprofit entity called Mozilla, which shepherds its web browser, the uh, Mozilla web browser. The Mozilla browser was named renamed to Firefox in 2004. Uh, Firefox is the only one of the popular browsers that is open source. Uh, Firefox has a robust plugin architecture and a community uh, and, a, and a community of uh, people that work directly on it and also work on plugins. There are tons of extensions in its ecosystem and uh, people working on new features. Just this week, as of recording, uh, Firefox released a new version of their browser. And as part of their effort to enhance privacy, they have added blocking internally of many trackers. And they've also begun to, by default, block many cookies and technology to also block so-called super cookies. Uh, and this is on top of the technology that Firefox already had, such as anti-fingerprinting anti technology and other built-in protections. Firefox isn't perfect. It's a bit slower than some of the other browsers. Its video conferencing support isn't as good as Chrome, but the team at Mozilla has done an amazing job, not only at shipping 
a browser with good privacy tools, but innovating and advancing for the changes that it has made in its browser land, uh, sorry, in its browser to be put into the broader browser landscape to put more control in the hands of regular people. Uh, I should mention that Firefox, like most of the other browsers, is available on every major platform, including Mac, Android, uh, I, you know, and iPhone, as well as Windows and Linux, of course. Uh, in summary, uh, uh, Firefox is the browser I recommend. It's the one that I use. Um, I love Firefox. Next, Microsoft Edge. Microsoft Edge is a relatively browser, um, but already it's the fourth most popular web browser out there, probably because it's installed by default on Windows PCs. For people who remember Internet Explorer, uh, Microsoft threw out all of the Internet Explorer source code and decided to use uh, Chrome as uh, the basis for its new um, for its new web browser. Uh, lost my place, sorry. Um, uh, Edge and Chrome uh, share a lot of things in common uh, in terms of both features, so uh, abilities, and also in, in terms of problems. In terms of privacy, uh, researchers have found that Edge is actually worse than Chrome. Uh, it sends unique identifiers to websites about users. Um, even if you have a lot of anti-tracking stuff, uh, Edge will work directly against you. And frankly, I can't think of a single good reason to use um, Edge as your day-to-day -day browser. I messed up this presentation, so I'm going to have to jump a little bit ahead. Uh, right. So Internet Explorer is actually the fourth most popular browser. Of the browsers that are still being used, um, sorry, of the popular browsers, Microsoft uh, Internet Explorer still shows up. Um, we're not going to do a deep dive into IE. Um, it's also known as IE, obviously. Um, Internet Explorer has a number of security vulnerabilities, including the ability to run hostile uh, code on other people's computers without their knowledge. That is a known vulnerability. Microsoft has already said that they're not going to patch it. They want everyone to switch to Edge. Um, Internet Explorer has been uh, explicitly deemed as an end-of-life product by Microsoft, and Microsoft says switch to Edge or, frankly, any other browser. We don't need to go very deep into the other issues with this browser. Um, if, you're stop if you're still using it, stop using it right now and use another browser. Um, the other browsers we'll be talking about aren't a not, they're not as popular. They represent less than 1% of the marketplace, but I think we can find some hidden gems. So don't, don't recommend IE. We're going to jump back to Opera and then we'll go to the others. Um, there we go. So for many years, Opera was considered the sort of third alternative between Internet Explorer and Mozilla, Firefox. Uh, Opera was kind of the open secret amongst internet aficionados, the cool kids browser. Even though it was proprietary, it often scored the highest in performance numbers, as well as being very flexible and very powerful. Unfortunately, in 2016, Opera was bought out by a Chinese investment firm, and the browser has gone downhill since. Uh, Opera is now, it wasn't before, but it is now based on Chromium, it's a browser we'll be talking about in a bit. 
but it's essentially the same as Google Chrome, but Opera now has built-in ads directly served to you from Opera. And frankly, a very strange funding model that includes these controversial things such as uh, getting involved in predatory loans in Africa. Um, this browser has gone from hip to creepy in a very short time. And my recommendation at this point is to stay the heck away from it. So let's move on. Chromium. Uh, as part of this second group, I think the most significant group of browsers here is Chromium. Uh, Google releases the open source parts of Chrome into a browser it calls Chromium. Uh, so when I talk about things being Chrome-based browsers, they're based on Chromium. Um, and so we can talk about Google Chrome being based on Chromium, Microsoft Edge. Uh, we'll be talking about Brave, Midori, and Vivaldi. They're all Chrome, um, Chromium-based. Uh, Chromium is open source and being open source is good, but I don't recommend Chromium on its own. It has all of the built-in tracking that Google has uh, still built into it. So being open source doesn't mean that there is no tracking. It just means that you can see the tracking is in there. And I mentioned Chromium only because it is what so many of these other browsers, these, especially these commercial browsers, are based on. So I don't recommend Chromium, but I think it'll be an important stepping stone to explain what I mean by Chrome-based browsers. So let's talk about Brave. <laughs> this is the, <laughs> Brave is the web browser that I get asked the most about. So let's do a bit of a dive into this browser. Where's it from? What makes it unique? And do I think it's a good choice? Brave was first developed in 2016 by Brave Software, making it a relatively young browser. Brave is based on Chromium, and that's important to understand because it's not a radical departure in terms of its internals or its visual elements. Brave is open source and auditable, and that makes it a somewhat unique feature of these commercial browsers. Brave Software, the company that makes Brave, is built around the idea of building an ecosystem around its cryptocurrency. They want people to use their, their cryptocurrency to fund their new ad network. They want to create a new financial model for creators, kind of like Patreon or Flatter. And they are working to, in many, in some cases, replace existing ads on the internet with their own ads mostly to promote their own cryptocurrency and strengthen their position as the new center of financial transactions. In terms of politics and companies, um, Brave has some interesting connections that I think are worth mentioning. First of all, one of the co-founders of Brave is Brendan Eich. Um, Brendan is also one of the co-founders of Mozilla, but Brendan Eich was pressured to resign from Mozilla for supporting California's Proposition 8, a bill in California that would have banned same-sex marriages. Uh, that bill was eventually defeated, but um, Brendan was a supporter of it, and that was a big reason that he was um, pressured to resign from Mozilla. In addition, uh, it's owned in part by Peter Thiel, a controversial entrepreneur in Silicon Valley. Thiel is an outspoken Trump supporter, 
and has been accused of being soft on racism and hate speech on his platform, despite the fact that Teal is an openly gay man. Teal also sued Gawker Media for publishing a story about his sexuality, that he is gay. Um, he um, has since come out from that, but uh, he sued them. Um, and he's also known as the man who bankrolled a suit against Gawker uh, by Hulk Hogan. So basically Hulk Hogan sued Gawker Media, and uh, it was Peter Thiel who bankrolled that lawsuit. So between Thiel and Ike, um, Brave has some interesting personal connections, and its business model is also a bit odd. Um, the company states openly that they want to not so much eliminate ads, but to replace them with its own uh, ideas of ad, uh, if its own ads, and uh, they want to base that on their cryptocurrency. Um, recently, Brave has been accused of modifying search links in websites, especially where they relate to cryptocurrency things, and they've been accused of replacing links to crypto cryptocurrency signup pages with ones that have affiliate links. So basically where Brave would get some money from that. Uh, just this week, they also recently started a search engine, and they say that, uh, you know, that it'll be... Um, ad free or that it'll change things, but it hasn't actually started. So we're going to have to see how uh, this search engine will integrate with their other products. So this all leads to the question of whether or not I recommend Brave. And the answer for me is that I personally wouldn't use Brave and I recommend measured caution with Brave. Um, while Brave browser isn't bad on its own, uh, the brave business model and the individuals involved give me a lot of pause about trusting this company to do the right thing in the long term. Um, while I won't say not to use Brave, I think that there are some better alternatives out there if you're looking for a web browser, and uh, we'll go over some of those alternatives. So the first of those <laughs> is Vivaldi. Uh, so like Brave, Vivaldi is a browser based on Chromium developed by some of the developers who left Opera. Uh, Vivaldi's focus is on customizability while still being compatible with Chrome plugins. Unlike Brave, Vivaldi is proprietary and not open source. Vivaldi's business model revolves around its selling browser adjacent placement, such as you know, which search engines are integrated, which bookmark manager is integrated, and trying to sell things like Vivaldi email service. My view on Vivaldi is that its business model is more traditional and a little less scary, but still open to abuse. Um, Vivaldi isn't without its flaws. It's had issues with Chrome plugins in the past, and it seems to be slightly well less well-developed. Um, I personally can't see a reason to use Vivaldi. Um, its proprietary nature and poor plugin support make it something I would just pass on. So let's talk about uh, ungoogled Chromium, Iridium, and Midori. Uh, if we reviewed every browser one by one, we'd be here all night. So we're going to start doing a few at a time. As I mentioned in a previous slide, Chromium is the open source Chrome, and it's what many web browsers are based on, including several browsers we've talked about. So there are several browsers uh, based on Chrome that are designed specifically to address the privacy issues with it, I mean with Chrome, 
And those are the ones I'm listing here. Instead of going through each one, I'll describe what I think differentiates these browsers from one another. Ungoogled Chromium is exactly what it says in the box. It's Chromium with all the Google elements taken out. And I'd say of the browsers uh, on this list, it's the, it's the most bare bones and it takes some fiddling to work. Um, it was the browser that I was recommending previously. Iridium is a web browser based on Chromium, but with additional security and privacy measures baked in. Where ungoogled Chromium is bare bones, Iridium takes the approach of baking privacy in from the start. Midori is another animal entirely. Uh, Midori is not Chromium-based, but instead uses a distinct set of components, some of which are used by other web browsers, and it has combined them into a fully functional product. Midori is part of a non-profit uh, model promoting open source and collective benefits uh, beyond just web browsing. While I appreciate the underlying philosophy of, Mid of Midori, and I had previously recommended ungoogled Chromium, now I think if you're going to use a Chrome-based desktop browser as of 2021, my recommendation is now to use Iridium, uh, especially as an alternative to ungoogled Chromium, Chrome, or to Brave. Uh, moving from the desktop to the phone, we'll take a look at two, mo two mobile browsers, Bromite and Vanadium. Both Bromite and Vanadium are based on Chromium's mobile source code, and the two are very similar in ideology, but slightly different in focus. Uh, Bromium's focus is on privacy, that is the privacy of the user, uh, blocking trackers, thwarting fingerprint identification, and so on. And Vanadium's focus is on browser security. That is ensuring that an application can't break through the barriers that a browser puts in place for its users. Ultimately, privacy and security go hand in hand and the two goals are closely aligned. Choosing between these two browsers is really splitting hairs. And if you have, if you've already have one of them, I don't recommend switching to the other. But if you're starting from scratch and you're looking between them, then I think Bromite wins by just a hair um, because it already has these anti-tracking features built in. Unfortunately for uh, iPhone users, Bromite and Vanadium are built for Android. I should also mention, this is probably a good place to mention again, that Firefox uh, has a mobile version um, for both Android and iOS, and I still recommend uh, Firefox, uh, even over even over Bromite. We can't forget the popular search engine DuckDuckGo and its foray into web browsing, the DuckDuckGo privacy browser. DuckDuckGo is known for their privacy-oriented search engine and as part of their wider effort to make the web a safer place. And in, the, in doing that, they've also put out their own mobile web browser for iOS and Android. The DuckDuckGo privacy browser is a very stripped-down browser, essentially using a lot of the native tools built into the operating system and only adding a few privacy-related features on top. It is open-sourced, and DuckDuckGo as a company has been really good about its privacy so far. I see no reason to suspect either their motives or the quality of their work. Uh, this browser doesn't seem to be part of any larger effort by the company to do anything uh, substantial, though. So I am slightly concerned about its long-term support. 
Nonetheless, I think it's a worthwhile browser to try, especially for um, iOS people, iPhone people, is probably your uh, best bet. So if all I did was go through the browsers in depth, again, we'd be here all night. And while I'm sure maybe that's someone's kink, as much as I love this stuff, it's not my kink. So I'll quickly mention that there are other lesser known web browsers, uh, Basilisk, Pale Moon, Dubble, Waterfox, IceCat, and Epiphany. There are also others that I chose to take out of this presentation. But as, out of this group, uh, for normal day-to-day -day browsing, I'll say that the only one that I would consider is Waterfox. Uh, Waterfox is based on Firefox, but with a focus, oops, uh, with a focus on maintaining backwards compatibility with older Firefox plugins that are no longer supported by Firefox. Uh, it, in all honesty, um, I personally think that all these browsers are kind of neat. Um, I don't think most people need them. My partner does use Waterfox as she likes to have an entirely separate web browser for her kink-based web browsing. So if you are going to make a completely separate web browser than you use for day-to-day, -day, then this might be a nice place to do that. And you could use any of these, frankly, but uh, Waterfox is a nice, uh, a nice recommendation. Um, if you want to try these, go for it. If you want a more exotic browsing experience, maybe something you've not considered before, go ahead and try some of these more exotic uh, web browsers. Um, they do exist, and they can be a neat uh, they can be a neat thing to try. So, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the one browser that supports your privacy and anonymity the most: the Tor browser. The Tor browser is based on Firefox and is available on all platforms. What makes the Tor browser different than the others is that it is designed to work on the Tor platform. We've talked about Tor in the past in this series, but it's a specialty network designed to protect your anonymity online. The Tor browser isn't like the other browsers, though. It's specifically designed to provide you with privacy and anonymity, but at the cost of speed. Also, Tor and the Tor browser are not good choices for things that rely on logging into things such as Google services or other services that you have to log into. Nonetheless, Tor is special. And if you ultimately care about your privacy, the Tor browser is the tool for you. Um, on the flip side, you probably can't use Tor for everything you do. Uh, Tor is a powerful tool, but it is not something that I can recommend for uh, every day. So there you have it. We've gone through them all. And here's a summary of the results. The overall winner is Firefox. Firefox has a long history of being the best web browser for security and privacy and continues to do so. Use it, and if you can, support the Mozilla Nonprofit Foundation with a donation. For Chromium-based browsers, my recommendation for desktop is Iridium, a privacy-oriented Chrome alternative. For Android, I recommend Firefox, um, but if you want something a little bit faster than Firefox or you need some of that uh, Chrome support, I recommend Bromite. If you're on iPhone, your choices are a little bit more limited. The default web browser on uh, iPhone is Safari and Safari isn't bad. I still recommend Firefox, but if you're looking for an alternative to Firefox, 
I probably look at the DuckDuckGo privacy browser. And for anonymity, I recommend the Tor browser. And that is it, folks. So now is the time when uh, I guess I or Ryan, uh, well, I will take a drink of water and then I will talk about how awesome my amazing sponsor is, uh, Dating Kinky, and then we will have time for questions. So if you want to talk for just a minute or two, and then I will jump in with a uh, plug on how awesome Dating Kinky is. Yeah, I'll lead off because some of the details have changed. So, you know, I... Um... Yeah, you're 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 already covering these uh, amazing presentations. You know, you don't have to keep up on the all the latest and greatest uh, news. But yeah, feel free to jump in uh, as I finish. Okay, so uh, as Beer uh, indicated, um, you know, in between after between the uh, presentation and the uh, Q and A open discussion, we do a word from our sponsor. Uh, hi, I'm Ryan from uh, Dating Kinky, your post platform here. I am the sponsor. Uh, or I and Nookie, the founder of the, the site, who is uh, enjoying a night off, uh, we are the sponsor. Uh, we are uh, proud to present um, Keeping Secrets as one of our, I think we're 13 or 14 uh, monthly recurring uh, webinars each each month. Um, and uh, for everyone who uh, is able to join us live up to a uh, event hosting 500 people, uh, you can join us uh, for free each time. And uh, we intend to continue to do that to reward the people who are able to uh, to join us uh, uh, for the programs as they air. Uh, however, we do we also do record these episodes and then put them up in our library. And that is uh, uh, one of the features for uh, you know the real sponsor this this evening, which is uh, dating kinky uh, plus membership. So, uh, plus membership, and some of you may have heard this uh, song and dance before, so bear with me. Plus membership is the uh, the uh, subscription to uh, our site that includes a ton of uh, awesome bonus features, and that is uh, something still growing. So while you can um, sign up for a free account, particularly on the uh, the dating side, uh, plus membership gets you all kinds of amazing special features that I will go through now. So uh, speaking of the dating site, yeah, so while you can sign up for a free account, Plus Membership will provide you, once we have the release of our app, which I believe is about five or six weeks away, uh, you'll be able to do video and audio chat with um, other Plus members. You'll be able to do things like video verification, you know, so that way uh, people viewing your profile have a better idea that you are, in fact, you know, the person you say you are, uh, you know, in your, you know, profile description and uh, whatever pictures you're including. Uh, and it, um, so yeah, that, and, uh, more things to come also on the dating side that will be coming out later in the year. So then there's the, uh, on-demand library, which uh, includes, uh, all these episodes, uh, that Vera's doing end up in the library. Although actually we make these, um, free for everyone because we consider them kind of like a, uh, you know, in the communal interest of maintaining King privacy or things related to health, we actually make them available to, anyone regardless of whether they're a plus member or not, you know, cause it's kind of like in the common interest, but uh, our other webinars like, um, you know, Femme Down Friday or Life at Submission or uh, our communication webinar, our boundaries and consent one, you know, all, all of the other programming, you know, or, or say the, most of the other programming uh, ends up going in our on-demand library and is available on demand to our, our plus members. And you can watch them, you can stream them on your, uh, 
you know, laptop or, or PC or PC or, um, or smartphone, or you can even download and listen to them as a podcast. So you can have us on the go as you're out and about. Um, and then that also includes the, uh, the books Nookie has written. I believe there's eight in the library now. I think we've just found a ninth in like the archives. So we'll be putting that up. And then uh, she's going to be writing, uh, I would say, a handful more this year, too, in the editing stage as we speak. So uh, more stuff coming there for the uh, the sex and kink education people. So that kind of covers the second uh, leg of my three-legged stool. And then the, the last one is our interactive chat community. And, uh, you know, maybe for a future episode, we'll have Veer do a, a dive into, into that platform. But um, it's, a, uh, it's a live interactive chat where people can... Uh, you know, video or audio chat with each other. And, you know, you have control over how, you know, whether you want to share, you know, turn your mic on, turn your video on. It's very opt-in. So we, we love that aspect of it. But it's a way to interact with uh, other users, uh, you know, outside of a kind of like cold call, you know, dating profile message environment, you know, because uh, we are thrilled that we can provide uh different ways of interacting with people, whether it's, uh, you know, in chat here at a educational event, you know, on a, you know, uh, on the dating site itself or, or this kind of in-between space where you can have casual conversations, you can talk in groups, you can, you know, move from groups to a, a more one-on-one environment. Uh, you know, we'll have some uh, scheduled events. There'll be some random chats. Um, it's eventually will be open 24, seven, 365 as well. So that's the three, um, you know, kind of facets of being a, a, what a plus member entails. And I'm putting in the links uh, that have more details, including the membership link itself. And then the, um, the amount it's uh, $9.99 a month. But if you sign up for a, uh, a larger chunk, you get a, uh, a sizable discount. Uh, six months is $49.99. And then the, the, the big benefit is a year is, for 12 months is $74.99. That's almost a 40% savings if you do decide to do a year. Um, and for those of you, we, uh, by the way, if, there, if we have any Plus members in chat, feel free to give a shout out and um, you know let us know how you're enjoying it. Uh, anyone who is interested can click those links or uh, ask me questions. I'll provide my contact information uh, for afterwards. And if you uh, decide to... Um, you know, not everyone's going to end up being a plus member. We're totally cognizant of that, but we hope that you're you're still welcome to come to all of these uh, educational events and engage with us uh, elsewhere. Uh, you know, just uh, if you're enjoying what you're what you're getting out of these, you know, please uh, you know tell a friend. You know, you know, bring uh, or uh, you know give us a shout on FetLife or or wherever you like. And uh, that way, you know, we can continue to bring more people on. And some of those people might end up being you know, those, some of those might not be plus members or they might have being, you know, that kind of like perfect match with, uh, you know, some other user out there. So we definitely want to continue to grow uh, with all kinds of, um, you know, fans and followers and, and some plus members. So that's the long and the short of it. But um, yes, there is an, yeah, AP, there's an annual membership. I just went over that. It's 12 months is, you know, it's one month, 999, 12 months, 7499. So almost 40% off. So that's the, um, that's my spiel. Uh, Veer, do you have anything to add on? No, I, I think I think one of the defining factors or defining characteristics of Kingsters is that we're curious and we love to learn and are continually in a process of self-development and self-improvement. Uh, and I think that's in all things. Um, 
you know, for, for anybody who's on any side of the slash, I think it's always a process of self-improvement and the, Again, the defining characteristic I found of Kingsters is that we're amazingly curious, right? We want to learn. We want to better ourselves. And Dating Kinky and its educational material, whether it's these classes, the books, or the community that it's building, is a great way of engaging with other Kingsters and and improving yourself, learning from others, um, especially now when it is so difficult to get together in uh, meat space, um, having these kind of tools to learn and connect and communicate are just invaluable. And supporting Dating Kinky is a way of showing that you care about this stuff. Um, when you know when you're not when you're not going to um, you know the movies or. Uh, a lot of other events, uh, you know, for people who who can afford it, uh, it's a great way of showing your support for the kind of high quality uh, community events that uh, we as Kingsters really need. Thank you. Um, okay, so let me bring up the questions. I think I have some relevant comments too. I should grab that file. Too many windows. Although I actually I got a because um, you know the work from home continues, so I actually got some some monitors. So I I might be too monitoring it, you know, at home for you know yeah you know, for well as long as they, I think the well as long as they let me keep the monitors, you know. We'll say, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, and I can always you know if if, if they get end up taking the back, I can always uh, get some more. But I you know I like having that freedom again. So, yeah, I use I'm, I use two monitors. It's yeah. I have I have one with the frankly with this window. And then I have another with the presentation and, and mm -hmm. all my notes and all that junk. So yeah, yeah I, I have I've been a year without that, and I've uh, yeah definitely. If, if if I wasn't getting them from work, I probably would have like already gone to Costco and picked them up. All right. Um, okay. APS uh, for the ones that you recommended, are they easy to use? Is there anything to add to the browsers to make them more safe? Like I guess there are there any add-ons to increase your level of comfort. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a whole, uh, I've been asked this question online already. Um, and we're going to do a, we're going to do a follow-up to this, um, with, uh, a whole bunch of plugins and settings to check, um, on your existing browser in terms of usability. I think at this point, browsers are pretty much the same. Um, they're not radically different. You know, things might be a little different between the browsers, but they all pretty much, look similar and have roughly identical features in terms of just, you know, when you click on this, you get this, you have a bookmark, you have a, you know, an address bar, et cetera. So that, that part's easy. Um, and then again, we'll, we'll do a follow-up, um, a whole thing on browser plugins and maybe some settings and things to look out for there. That's a great question. Okay. So more to come there. Oh, she did follow up. Um, uh, come on, cursor stuck. Oh, what, what what would be non-tour use? Did you understand the context of that? Like, um... yeah. So, what would be bad? I guess what I what I understand from that is, and AP can correct me, is what would, what would be bad to use with tour? And um, now, so there there are some websites that will block tour entirely. So those would be those would be poor choices, right? So if a website blocks tour entirely, then I guess you can't use it. Um, 
you know, I would say there's nothing that tour is, well, I guess I would, I would avoid tour if I was doing video conferencing. It just won't work. Um, it's just, it'll be too slow. It would be bad for any kind of real time streaming. So, you know, like if you're watching videos online, tour is not such a great resource for that. Um, you know, don't try to watch TV or, or videos with tour. Um, tour is really great for when you need to, uh, you really need that protection, you need that anonymity. Um, that's, and you know, you're not looking to log in or anything like that. That's where tour really shines. Now there are some other uses of tour, um, and we could do a whole, and maybe we should do a whole episode on some of the, you know, some of the non-browsery things you can do with Tor. Um, it would be a more advanced topic, but um, I would say that for your everyday browsing, you're not going to be using Tor. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe you're concerned about certain things. Maybe you want to look up things without, you know, attaching it to who you are, or maybe you want to post something, um, you know, for example, uh, maybe make a post somewhere where you don't have to log in about something that's happened, or maybe you're afraid of speaking out about something you've seen or experienced. And, you know, Tor is a really great tool for, for things like that. Okay. Uh, so uh, someone mentioned there was a back and forth, and I, you figured it's, yeah, it'd be good for you to weigh in. Google has said they will no longer be using third-party cookies to track users, but then there's a pop. However, that's just a browser. All other Google services will still have the cookies tracking, et cetera. Is that track with um, you know, your uh, understanding here? Yeah, so, so their press release, and I haven't seen any deep dives on this yet. Um, I, I kind of knew this question was going to come up, but I haven't seen any technical details about this. I mean, maybe I just haven't been pointed to it. So I don't really know what to make of it yet. Um, with a lot of these press releases um, from companies, it's not so much what they say, it's what they leave out. Um, my experience is that they're always technically true with a whole bunch of, but they're not telling you who this other stuff, right? So, so more more omission than commission. Yes, yes, exactly. So I'm 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 not ready to weigh in until I understand a bit more about what they are and aren't doing, um, you know, with, with this announcement. Understood. Um, okay. Adventure Viking asks, uh, would you recommend using one browser for personal, uh, online banking, personal email, et cetera? I think I know where you're going with this and another browser for kink related websites. Are there any benefit benefits of doing so? Yeah. So, um, pardon me. <clears throat> in a in a previous episode, we talked about um, containers. So there's a Firefox. I think it's called Firefox Containers. I want to. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure right now. I think it's called um, Firefox Containers. Um, and if you do, if you use that, it kind of creates these little kind of mini web browsers that have all your history, et cetera, split between them. Uh, in terms of using an entirely separate browser, it's really not a, not a bad idea, and it's it's in fact what my what my partner does. Um, she does all of her kink in one web browser and doesn't use it for any banking or for any non kink activity. It makes it easy to for her to see what browser she's in. Right, it makes it very easy for her to switch context and not make a mistake and not open it up in the wrong container or whatever. So I think that's a that's certainly a great idea. Um, 
I would suggest even for your day-to-day -day, that you look at something like Firefox containers um, just, just even between them. So you don't, for example, connect your uh, work login with your personal login. But I do think that having a separate browser for kink is a good idea. And I put it in chat. Um, there was an earlier uh, keeping secrets that what was it like VPN, like at you know, browsers and some tours. So some some like maybe uh, a smaller dive into some of this material over this like deeper dive. So I, I think uh, check out episode three for probably some more of this uh, conversation. Uh, and like I said, this series is available to everyone, regardless of whether you're a Plus member or not. So uh, please do take advantage if you want to. Yeah, you know, uh, get all of the grab all of that education you'd like. Um, I think I may have gone through all of the questions. There was one more comment I was going to throw in, but if there are any other questions, um, let me know. AP, is there an air meet? Uh, well, I will invite everybody back to air meet after this. I didn't have like an official event scheduled tonight just because I didn't get to it, frankly. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to come and you know chat in, in the in the hangout place. Uh, we can certainly do that, and I can help shepherd anybody who is interested who hasn't uh, been there before uh, to get back there. Um, Seeker, I think, was following up on the tour or the browser question from Athena saying, most of the usability issues will come from lack of familiarity about where the browser puts different features and as the tour is a fairly special case browser. That that seems to, that, that seems to make sense to me. Um, I don't, oh, miss that, hold on. Oh, uh, no, new question, okay, we got, thank you, IEP. Uh, okay, so Miss asks, we have a Miss and a Miss L, so Miss asks, what if you've already used different, quote unquote, not recommended browsers, you know, i.e. the Chromes, et cetera, will using Firefox going forward make any difference, uh, as in there's already been mixing a personal kink in the same browser? So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I think of, I mean, look, is it going to be better if you never mixed? Yes, but there's always a benefit to uh, incremental improvement over time. It's a bit like asking, you know, well, listen, I've already been smoking. Should I really quit smoking? Good yeah, idea. yeah, you should quit smoking. Um, you know, the more you, the more you can do now, and even if it's some small changes, then over time those changes will accumulate, and maybe. Maybe you've maybe you've linked to accounts already. That's okay. I mean, it's not great, but it's it's okay. It's where you are. It's where we're starting from. And by doing this today, maybe you won't link a new a third new account, or maybe you won't connect a new piece of information. So there's it's always beneficial to start today, and we can acknowledge the past, and we can you know we can mourn what we what we could or should have done. But that shouldn't prevent us from making positive changes moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Seeker, no, Seeker's no, comment is right on the money uh, that, look, you know, yeah, are there going to be breadcrumbs, trails between you, you know, your different uh, identities or online? Yeah, they are. But as, you know, as they said, uh, or as he said, pardon, um, those, those breadcrumbs will go stale over time. And anything you can do to improve that is something you should think about. And I think the um, the smoking analogy is a, is a good one. You know, of like, yeah, you know, I think that's directly applicable. Uh, so, 
Uh, wonderful. Um, okay, so I think uh, AP, you're looks like she might be typing in another question. She has the yep. she has the Q colon, yeah. but uh, you know. So, um, but if there are no other questions after AP, I will start to go into the uh, coming attractions of what we have uh, coming up next week. Um, Miss Kink, uh, the irid iriditium browser. You know, feel free to provide context for that link, uh, and if if you have it, we can discuss. She, she just uh, Miss Kink linked to the iridium browser uh, in the chat, and yes, that is the iridium browser's download link. Oh, okay, thanks. So we're still waiting for uh, yeah APS question. AP or yep. something. No, no rush. Well, in the meantime, here, let me put in, I'll put in our, um, okay. Uh, Miss Kink, no, uh, DuckDuckGo is available for uh, Android as well as iOS. Um. Okay, uh, APS, what if you have a new computer and setting it up, uh, slash setting up other users for vanilla financial official stuff and one for King stuff, which, uh, all right, so I think what APS is asking is like, are there browsers that are better suited for vanilla activity versus browsers where you want to steer people towards non-vanilla activity? If if I'm reading that right, AP, I had a I had a I had a slightly different read on it. So okay, um, and I see that a bunch of people are are chatting about this. So let's so let me answer what I think the question is, and then we'll okay. find out if I if uh, uh, if if I understood. So the the way I read uh, AP's question is: Let's say we have a new computer. And I have different users. So like when I go to the computer and I log in as myself, um, and maybe I'd have a, oh, uh, I see. like, like yeah. maybe, so for example, in my case, uh, Veer Koto is not the name in my wallet, right? So, but maybe I would have a Veer login just for my kink activity. Um, and I, my, my read on that is AP asking, well, what if I have my Jane Doe, you know, wallet name login and then I have my AP login. Is there a better browser? And I'd say, um, you know, look, all the the kind of the, the things that I laid out, the criteria that I laid out will still apply. Um, but that would be the even better way of handling your privacy. Um, you know, if, if you can just log out entirely and make an entirely new browser, um, as long as you remember not to log into your web browser with, you know, even if you're even if you're on your kink account on your computer, you know, don't you know, don't forget not to check your email, your vanilla email, right? That's not going to help you. But if you can remember that, then yeah, go ahead and do that. And then any browser, um, you know, will will be better. Obviously, the browsers that we think are better are still better. Okay, uh, AP, feel free to uh, tag on your question if you uh, want some more uh, details. Okay, me saying personally keep the Firefox vanilla browsing and now I need to maximize that chat because we, now we're getting some robust. Personally keep the Firefox vanilla browsing as you can further compartmentalize between services within Firefox containers. I think the containers what Vera was referring to earlier. Of course, you can also use you can also use containers. Waterfox. Yeah, so yeah. Waterfox is based yeah. on Firefox, and you yeah, can also it. do containers within Waterfox. So you okay. could do you could do the same thing, right? You could have like yeah. like let's imagine, for example, um, 
just just throwing this out there that you might have uh, a container just for dating kinky and mm-hmm. a container just for you know for fet life or a container just for whatever your other favorite kink uh, you know website or service is, right? So you could you could even you could even separate those out too, um, or maybe you have multiple. Um, and I know several kinksters who have even multiple kink identities. Um, for example, if you're a prodom and you have a prodom identity and you keep that separate from your regular kink identity, for example, you might have containers that represent each of those. Okay. Oh, yeah, thanks for that um, conversation point. Uh, AP, Wivir, will you do assistance for assessments to set up, meaning like a personal geek squad set up assistance? <laughs> oh, I think that's... Um, yeah, probably not. I mean, I actually, I've been asked this before. Mm-hmm. Um, what we, you know, I think one of the things that we might do is have a, um, maybe we'll think about, and I'm just throwing this out there, maybe we'll think about a, uh, a workshop or something that you might pay for, uh, you well, know, and do I, I, that over a day. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't know if yeah. I'll do that through dating kinky or my own. But it's it's yeah. it's been something that I've been asked about so many times that I'm thinking about it. And if you've got thoughts on it, please feel free to send me a, a message. And yeah, and I put his um, his fet life info though there as well as Ducky uh, and myself. And I think I think me just posted your. Your your the group you you manage too so yeah which I meant to add so terrific um all right so I'm going to uh, start to run through some coming attractions um like I said if there are any final questions because we are so we're wrapping up a little bit early here uh we we are happy to cover them but in the meantime uh, first of all, I want everyone to give uh, Veer a uh, round of applause for another uh, fantastic uh, presentation so. Here, thanks so much. Thank you all for being here. And I think we're in month us. month five of of the recurring show. You know, after yeah. certainly a, a very successful uh, mini series uh, over the summer. Yeah, it's exciting. so uh, and the next episode, and I, th- I think I even got the de- description updated in the nick of time. The, the things we get to do behind the scenes when, when we're not presenting. So it'll be Thursday, April first. And, uh, you know, you guys are getting the thematic preview of, like, the most foolish emphasis, things you can do as a kinkster online. So, uh, yeah, that'll be coming up uh, four weeks from tonight. Um, And then I don't have the event up yet because it's actually going to be hosted by somebody else. But we we are going to be unveiling a very special premiere after Veer's um, episode. We're going to be going into air meets and then um, AP, you might be familiar with, like, the Frost Group or, you know, or some people like the... Uh, I think they're out of Arkansas. They're going to be doing some kind of like kinky game night, like in the air meets where I think it'll be like, they're setting up like some kind of like virtual escape room. Challenge. Oh, that sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have the event posted yet, but we will be promoting it heavily, you know, for the rest of the month because we're super excited about the, again, like the additional types of events that uh, that space, you know, can afford us and allow us to think outside the box because, I mean, we're certainly happy to provide all this like webinar education, but we do want to be engaging you in all kinds of different ways because, you know, everybody has, needs a, a, a balanced diet of, you know, uh, interaction. So uh, we're super excited. You know, I, I love escape rooms. So I, I, I've never done a virtual one. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about that. So next week we are 
Monday and Friday. Although I think we're going to have an air, we're going to have a couple air meet events next week too, because the Wednesday event is going to be an air meet. I don't have that linked. Um, but Monday we have our boundary consent webinar. Uh, we're going to learn how to withdraw consents uh, when, you know, and protect uh, oneself. Uh, that's going to be Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then on Friday, we have our monthly uh, Femdom Friday episode. Uh, these have been going to the recurring guest hosts this year with our regular host, Natalie, on a hiatus. Uh, we're going to be doing distance play uh, with a, uh, a new good friend of mine, uh, Lady Ginger, who is A, awesome, and B, going to be doing uh, a monthly recurring starting in April. So we're super excited to love getting to kind of use a guest host spot to introduce you all to another wonderful uh, person in the community you know, in advance of, um, you know, them, you know, picking up a, a monthly show. She's going to be doing, like I said, she's going to be doing distance play on Friday, which is sadly still very relevant as we continue to wind down from this uh, quarantine. But then her monthly is going to be on kink and mental health, as she's a, um, a PhD in social work and uh, going to be, you know, opening up her own uh, social work, uh, you know, therapy, you know, business, but then, but then using all of that uh, knowledge to educate us in, in those areas uh, starting in April. So uh, a lot coming down the pike. Uh, what else can I put in? Okay. So let me put in, because we definitely want, we have some FetLife people here. We might have some non-FetLife people here. So if anybody wants to keep track of those social events we're having or future episodes of uh, Keeping Seeks with, with Veer, uh, you can sign up for reminders with those links. And then let me find the website events. Uh, what did I do with it? Come on. You gotta be, okay, there you are. Oh yeah, here we go. So, and then, yeah, if you're a non-FetLife person, that is our like calendar page, datingkiki.com slash events. And then we are Tuesday, on Tuesdays we open up our show to uh, the Test Society, the Universal Society out of NYC. Michelle, you want to talk about Test Tuesday next week's Sex Test Tuesday? If you're around, up. Oh, okay, she's got it in chat. Central Art, Central Art of Biting. That'll be March 9th at 7 p.m. Okay. Uh, if you want to come on, uh, I, I sent you the thing. Okay. Can, can you hear me? Is it working? Yep. Hi. Um, I am Michelle. I'm the programming director at Test, which is the uh, country's oldest BDSM education organization. We have been doing weekly classes thanks to our wonderful sponsor, Dating Kinky, since last April. Um, they begin at 7 p.m. Eastern. We have people from all over the world. It's kind of amazing. Um, if you have any questions, programming at test.org. If you would like to present for us, programming at test.org. Um, we are always looking for you know, new ideas, new people, and should be fun on Tuesday. I've heard great things about this class and great things about the presenter. I heard you had a uh, somebody uh, just off the like spur of the moment just had the guest fill in and, and did oh, a great job last, so last Tuesday. Last week's or this past week's service presenter got sick last minute, so the fill in was also a class on service. So it kind of worked out. Mm. Um, they're both really great presenters on the topic. So we had Underground C, who some of you might know um, from 
teaching at like Tess Fest or, you know, the um, Dark Odyssey events. He is amazing. I highly recommend if you can find a class with him, go to it. And yeah, we, we pinched it when we can. <laughs> and then the week before that, we had a sort of semi-memorial for the founder of our organization who died at age nine, 94 uh, the week before. And honestly, guys, it is it is thanks to him that we are even here. And I don't mean like those of us at Tess. I mean, Dating Kinky exists because this guy and his lesbian friend persevered in creating this organization that brought kink to the mainstream, in, sort of. As mainstream as it could get in the 70s. But that's like a whole other story. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's all I got awesome. for now. Awesome. Uh, and, yeah, and I have the... Um... Test Tuesday link in there, which will have uh, a, a combination of all of the upcoming events, the dating kinky yes. in-house ones and the test ones. So feel free to bookmark that page because it will continuously update with, you know, with a rolling calendar of upcoming events. So, okay. Um, I think we're, we've exhausted the, we haven't exhausted the chat. We've exhausted the question. So we will, uh, we will uh, hit stop record. Then I get to, 